Welcome back to Split Decision. This week on episode 17, we're going to recap UFC Vegas 80, Dawson versus Green. Then we're going to stay in Vegas to preview UFC Vegas 81, Yusuf versus Barboza. After that, we're going to draft our top five TV shows. And then we'll preview our favorite football matchups across college and the NFL. And finally, we'll cover our bets and picks for this week. But first, don't forget to go to splitdecisionpod.com where you'll find all of our recent episodes, our merch, our picks, recaps, and more. Again, that's splitdecisionpod.com. All right, let's go. All right, so let's move on to our recap of UFC Vegas 80. Uh, The main event was an exciting one. It was a quick one. And it was, uh, I think, the biggest favorite of the night lost in the main event. That was Grant Dawson, the favorite, losing to the fan favorite, Bobby King Green, in a by 33-second knockout. I, w- I don't know if I would say fan favorite Bobby Green. He is a big—for his record in the UFC, which is 12-9 and nine and 1 now, he right. has a pretty big— he does, No, he does have a, a big fight, fan following. I, I just don't know if I would say fan favorite— in this fight, he was the fan favorite, definitely. Dawson has a lot of respect from the fans, and he's not really beaten. Yeah, but he kind of he didn't lose respect, but he kind of lost some of his lust when he had the controversial split decision win. Oh, I forgot about that, even against, though we spoke about it last against week. Against Manson. But this was Bobby Green, his second win in a row after beating Tony Ferguson. And he demolished Tony Ferguson. I guess he kind of dominated Dawson here as well. So. Dominated Dawson. Dawson's first career UFC loss, so it's a big deal for him. He moves to 20 wins, two losses now i mean this was the game plan for dawson coming in was get bobby green to the ground and just win the fight bobby green's best path of victory was catching grant dawson and knocking him out on the feet and that's kind of exactly what happened yeah you saw first major exchange really right dude dawson kind of shook his head not shook his head but you know moved fainting a little bit trying to figure out a take if he wants to shoot a takedown or not there's a strange feint it was an awkward movement it, it almost looked like a takedown but he was getting ready to have to absorb a strike because he knows that green can you know back away and strike at the same time and he just couldn't hang and bobby I green i think he caught him with a left hand and just right dropped him to the ground got a few ground and pound shots in but grant dawson wasn't fighting back the fight was over yeah just immediately it was over um a lot of respect after the fight who do you think Bobby Green fights next? I, I have a few options in mind. Well, I um, think he uh, his options are open because, as I said, he kind of has a bigger name than his record uh, right. stands. So he could fight anyone from like RDA. I know he. I think he talked about Dan Hooker. Talked about Dan Hooker in the, uh, in the post fight, which I would love to see that fight because two guys kind of just striking, every, mainly striking likes, bout, and everybody likes to watch those two guys fight. So I think the options are open for him. He's in a good spot. He is. I and look three. Look, let's let's rewind back to May. This is not where you thought Bobby Green was going to be ending his 2023. You know, look looking back that far, you didn't think you thought Bobby Green could have just been on his way out, not you know mounting a comeback, putting himself kind of firmly in the top 15. Yeah, he's a guy now. This is his tenth year in the UFC. He's definitely going to be around for year 11. It looks like. This was a solid win for Bobby Green, main event. Always good to see one of those vets that's kind of been up and down come in and get a, get a an solid impressive win. victory late in their career right. to kind of reestablish themselves. For the co-main event, we had 
Joe Body Bags Piper, Piper, not Piper, almost putting Abdul Razak Al-Hazain in a body bag with a triangle choke in the second round. He put him out cold. Al-Hazain tried to tap, but his God fist was, was closed. I <laughs> was tapping with his fist closed. He was panicking. Yeah, and, and for good reason because he went out completely out. Yeah, it, eyes rolled back in his head. He didn't even stand to get his hand raised. He went straight to the hospital. Yeah, when you get that choked out, like they got to check, make sure everything's good. So Joe Pfeiffer's that dude. Um, five straight wins for Pfeiffer. Right. Five straight finishes as well. So that's an impressive streak. It's rare to see somebody this big with such a dominant wrestling background. This guy secured three takedowns inside of two rounds. He was beating him up on the feet, too. So he uh, well, that was actually what I was about totally to say. Totally dominated him throughout the entire fight. Complete double threat. So... You know, look, look, look at somebody like Bo Nickel, Paul Craig, who can strike well, but they're very good on the ground. Joe Pfeiffer stacking right up next to those guys. Yeah, in my anytime opinion. you have both both assets to your game, you have a chance to move up the ladder very, very quickly. Very quickly, because so, you can match up with anybody. He said that Paul Craig's going to get his ass beat uh, to Brendan Allen. Brendan Allen. Which I I like both fighters there. Me too. But and as a Louisiana loses, guy. Whoever loses, I don't know. Paul Craig's my guy, though. I know. But we're not talking about those fights now. I think what you were about to say is whoever loses would be a viable candidate. Viable candidate. I think Chris Curtis might be a good one, too. Yeah, good striking performance. The thing that I think Chris Curtis would run into problems there would be is just in the wrestling alone. You're looking at the, the sheer dominant performance in just looking at this past weekend— Pfeiffer's like a, a force to be reckoned with, is I think how they say it, right? Correct. But you also got to remember Al Hassin's a guy that he's not. I mean, he had zero uh, subs in his career. He's not a ground guy. He's a knockout guy. He so he he had a good game plan. I I think somebody like Brad Tavares. You know, if you're not focusing on a wrestler, somebody like Brad Tavares or Chris Curtis would be you know great options. For him to fight moving up his chain. Yeah, I think he's definitely chain. moving up the ladder, though, getting closer to getting ranked. And then once you get ranked, you know. Yeah. they He was also awarded. Um, they didn't give a fight of the night. They had just awarded four $50,000 bonuses. This is one of those. Yeah, I think so, usually they call it a performance of the night. Performance of the night. I was trying to think of the term. I just yeah. didn't want to sound like an idiot. I do that often enough as it is. Yeah, so, yeah. Solid, solid win from Pfeiffer. He really made himself... Uh, a uh, contender, in my opinion. Contender, and he really he like put good tape out there. It was a good performance. Yep. All right, so the next part we're moving on to is Joaquin Buckley, who put on a great performance against Morano. Uh, Buckley came in. He dominated the fight. Morano really had no answers for him. Uh, won every round. Arguably had a 10, arguably had a 10-8 round. Even had two takedowns in the fight. Uh, won by unanimous decision. Buckley looks like a new man at 170. It seems to have, I don't want to say resurrected his career, but let him take that next step almost. Found his power. Found his power. You found where he should be. Right. Made it Made it not too down of a weight class to where he's having to like cut constantly, you know, cut for the entire camp to get, to get through the weight. But having to cut still gains, keeps all his power. I mean, he's a guy with the way he fights. If he can get a few wins in a row, he'll have a lot of people that like are excited to fight to watch him fight, and he'll grow a fan base because he is one of the more exciting guys to watch fight. Just how different he is and how athletic he is. No, I agree. Uh, two and zero since moving to welterweight, which seven and four now overall in the UFC. So 
like you said, career moving in the right direction. I think because of this win, he feels the same way. So following his win, he asked for, and it's weird, he asked for a main event of a fight night specifically. Yeah, you got to know your place. He's big enough to main event a fight night, but he knows he can't main event. A I know, but it, it's, it was just so weird because how he was saying it was so weirdly specific. He was like, listen, this is not a demand. This is just a request. Can I please headline a UFC fight night? Hey, you got to call your shot sometimes. So, I, I look, I appreciate that. I think, honestly, I agree with you. I think he's a perfect candidate for it. Perfect fight idea for me. The only from thing that, me. that makes me hesitant is we already saw Kevin Holland knock him the fuck out. Well, that was what I would Tell say. Tell him he had a booger in his nose and then knock him out. A rematch from for that fight, Kevin Holland versus Joaquin Buckley. I wouldn't be opposed to it, but... Remember, Joaquin Buckley took that fight. Coming into the UFC on short notice was his debut. He did get knocked out, yes, but I do believe he grew since then. So at least it would be a better, at least, competition it would, be a good, it would get people to tune in because people would like to see both those guys fight. Uh, another, and Holland's coming off of a loss. Exactly. Another another guy I think uh, could be in there, Neil Magny maybe, also a guy coming off of a loss. Right, I agree. Against uh, Ian Gary. He's a guy ranked like 13-14, I believe. So that'd be a good fight. Uh, Michael Chiesa, if he wants to fight again. Yeah, if he wants to get murdered, that yeah, would be I great. I don't know. We don't know if he's done or not, but... That would be up there. And then a dark horse, I don't, I don't know. I know he would fight him because he's a guy that fights literally Anyone, anybody if you ask anywhere. him to fight. If he's in the States, he'll do but it. But I think JDM deserves he, – he's newly ranked number 12. I think he deserves somebody like 10, 9, like yeah. somebody above him so he can – because he's a guy moving up. But I would like to see that fight too. Uh, Joaquin Buckley, JDM, Jack Della Malalina. I agree. I agree. It would be a good one. I just I don't see him moving <clears> – <throat> moving down to take that fight another monstrous performance in the lightweight division and as we say every single week it's probably the scariest division in the ufc normal sized dudes walking around just being murderers drew dober knocked ricky the gladiator glenn out halfway through the first round with just a vicious assault like it's great like he stood him up and then when Glenn took the punch to the face. His expression just went, oh, fuck. Drew Dober's a scary dude. Did you ever watch Fairly Odd Parents? I did. What is the chin guy superhero? Uh, Chip? No, that's Chip Skylark. That's the uh, the musician. I don't know. We'll look it up, but I know exactly. But that, the crimson the crimson chin. It might be the crimson chin. That is Drew Dober. He has an exquisite chin, and he looked like a superhero in this fight. He dominated the fight, and like you said... Once he got a clean shot on Glenn, his whole demeanor and facial expression changed. That power was for real. Look, he's had a good long career. He's still pretty young. He added that win to his belt. He added a UFC uh, record in the lightweight division. Nine knockouts. He's now won four out of his last five fights. It's pretty ridiculous. He, he called out Michael Chandler because I do agree it would be a striking like masterpiece. I mean, who has the better chin between him and my, or the better physique him but, versus uh, Michael Chandler? That'd be awesome. That would hold true in a fight with him and Dustin Poirier, him and Justin Gaethje. But he's just not quite there in no, the rankings. I think he gets a rank guy next, but it's definitely not a guy in the top so five. So who's more realistic? He's, he's lost to Islam 
Favola, Darush, but he's beaten Bobby Green, Terrence McKinney. You know, Bobby Green just just maybe a won. rematch versus Bobby Green. Dan Hooker, I wouldn't mind seeing him fight. I think that would be a good fight. That would be another one where both guys are coming and bringing the violence. Yeah. What uh, about Grant uh, Dawson? Just lost. Grant Dawson. That wouldn't be bad. They're on the same Grant kind Dawson of recovery to, timeline uh, to, to at least be able to fight again. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think uh, Dober is going to come back a lot quicker than Dawson. Mentally, for sure. And then what about uh, Jalen Turner? Another guy that uh, that wouldn't be a bad fight. Kind of always down, always down to fight. Always down to fight. He just had that good, great fight with uh with Dan Hooker a few months ago. Or Dustin Poirier, even. I still think that's way... Uh, it's very high jump. up there, but... And Poirier's not taking that fight. Poirier's only fighting... Like he said, like, fights that sell legends. Yeah, that's true. He's he's in a different spot in his career. I just want to see Poirier fight every week. I agree. But uh, Drew Dober, I think he has a lot of options going forward. Uh, I think he's a guy he can... If when he's on his A game, he can make some noise in the lightweight division. Uh, I'm excited to see where he goes. All right, so opening up the main card and then closing out our recap of UFC Vegas 80, Bill Algio, Senor Perfecto, dominated all three rounds against Alexander Hernandez, proving to everybody that he belongs in the UFC. He used his size, his elusive striking, his kicks to keep Alex at bay. He won the fight single, all-handedly, all-handedly, unanimous decision, however you want to say it, 30-27 on the cards. Yeah, he picked up his fifth, not fifth straight, his fifth UFC win, moves to 5-3 and three overall, second straight UFC win, so maybe he's building a little momentum to try to, uh, you know, progress his career, maybe a couple wins away from getting a ranked fight. He's a big dude in the featherweight division. I think that's one of the, the main things that kind of, helped elevate him in this fight specifically. He was able to do a lot to keep Alexander Hernandez at bay, keeping him at distance, not letting him get anything started. It, it was a great performance. It showed his versatility. There was no knockouts, but there was a knockdown. You know, so it, it just I showed. I like his call-outs at the end of the fight. Yeah, we had call-outs. We had Billy Q, we had Crone Gracie, Anthony Fauci, Mark Zuckerberg, and then he said, I guess we can talk about late Nate Landwehr at the end. Personally, um, I would like to see him versus Anthony Fauci. I'd take I'd take him and Fauci. Honestly, when I kind of felt Crone Gracie was a joke, and then he said Fauci, and I was like, I don't even know which ones of these callouts are serious. Yeah, he's he's throwing it. He's just throwing anybody. He's like, I don't know. I'll I'll do whatever. Just give me a fight, pay me. I don't care. He said his callouts never work. DC was laughing about it. Mad respect to Bill. I don't know who he fights next, but. It's not going to be a ranked opponent, not quite yet. You know, a couple more fights, a couple more wins under his belt, and I think he'll be there. All right, so let's move on to our top five this week. This week, another week at the Apex in Vegas, so we're kind of doing a wild card uh, top five draft. This week, our top five draft is going to be TV shows. Uh, I think this is probably one of the most wide-ranging, uh, with plenty of good option top fives we've done in a while. Yeah, it really matters who you are as and well. And there's a lot of ways to go with it. Yeah, what kind of stuff you like. I mean, could you imagine if you asked an eight-year-old? Exactly. You so would this, dominate him in a top five draft. This is going to be a fun one. I think we both have a lot of TV shows. We haven't watched together, but like we have we've watched seen them and talked about. Right. We're aware that we know that we've watched a lot of the same things. So I think this is going to be a fun one, and I think this week 
you get to start off first. So you get number one, and then we go in the snake uh, order. So why don't you kick us off? All right. This one has been tearing at me for a while, and a while just being all day. I know we both have, like, around the top, like, same. Probably half, half of the top ten out of the 20. If, I, if we each wrote down 20, I'd say 10 are the same. Yeah. Not necessarily so order. There's a good chance these first few picks are taken ones from, the, from each other. So this pick, my number one, is Sopranos. It's a good one. That would have been probably my number one. The reason being, not only is it a fantastic show filled with drama, I just watched it for the first it's time such a good show. in the past few years, and it holds up. I binged it. I, I'm, I've been talking to you about rewatching it already. Um, Sopranos is a great option, but the the other reason why I picked it as my number one, a lot of shows kind of give credit to Sopranos. It's such a good. I, I, it would have been my number one. Right. It's a great show. So they, they give credit to the Sopranos for giving them the like idea or the audacity to do what they were trying to do. You know, so kudos to the Sopranos, such a great show. And think nothing else has to be said about that. That's a good number one pick. My number one is one that uh I'm rewatching. It's probably the show I've rewatched the most of my life. This is probably like my seventh time watching it through and through, no lie. It's gonna be Mad Men. I think it's one of the best written shows in terms of characters, character development, attention to detail, uh, good storylines. And it's hard to make a show that interesting about when there's really nothing. When there's not a there's no action going on. Dude, it's a it's a think if you think about it, you know, Sopranos. What is Sopranos about? They're it's the about mob. the mob. You know, it's it talks about all their crime. It has the action, the violence, and everything. Yeah, but this has—it's about the ad agency. It has the ads. I know, but and like, it has... think no, no. I'm saying like, think about it broadly. Don't don't let yourself dive in. I agree with you. It's a crazy good show, but just on a broad spectrum, Sopranos is about all this crazy mischief. It's just about an ad agency. And then Mad Men's about an ad agency set in the '60s. Yeah, but just the period piece. It is such a good such show, a good though. Show. I agree with you. It's a, it's a solid show. It was on my list. It was gonna be. Somewhere in this top five, I just don't know where I could have gotten it. I assumed it was also going to be on your list. Donald Draper, what is it, John Hamm? John Hamm. I mean, just an iconic character. Great guy. Iconic TV character. I agree. Great top. Great top one. So we're going in the snake. So I get my number two. This is a tough one for me because there's a lot of good shows. There's a couple shows I might have put here, but I think I can get them later in the draft. See, that's what makes me nervous about the draft situation. But but this good. is a, a number two that I think is universally regarded as one of the best shows of all time. Another iconic character in Walter White. My number two, Breaking Bad. I, I mean, had that on my list as well, man. We said you said Mad Men's kind of just about an ad agency. Breaking Bad's about a science teacher making meth. That's right. the broad scope of it. Right. See, that's that's what I like to hear. You that know? is a great. I mean, it's a great show. A great storyline. I mean. It made people take Brian Cranston serious as an actor. He, the only thing I had seen him in before that of relevance Malcolm was Malcolm in the, in the Middle, where he was the the funny dad. So, I I'm kind of in the same boat there. I didn't watch a lot of things with Brian Cranston until between Malcolm in the Middle and Breaking Bad. But that Bad. just put him on the map, and now he's regarded as one of the best actors. But it's also crazy in Hollywood TV show wise, at least. At least looking back on my perception of the show, 
they almost placed him in the same kind of house as the Malcolm in the Middle house. Oh, there's a bunch of uh, theories online that it's the same guy. It's the same character. Bro, that is, that's wild. I, I don't know. I, I agree it's a great show. It was definitely going to be on my list as well. I'm still trying to get my wife to, to finish it. Such a good show. But in the broad scope of things. even had one of the things, best, uh, well, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to give away another picks, but it had one of the best sequel or like spinoff shows of all time. Oh yeah. That is another good show. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. What's your number three pick? Well, I just have my one, two, so you get your two, three. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's true. Sorry. Uh, so my number two, I'm kind of trying to buy time because this list is hard. <laughs> like, I'll do another pick if you want me to. No, don't. All right. So if my number one's The Sopranos, broad scope being, you know, just the, the crime, you know, the power behind it and everything. Man, I think I got to go Game of Thrones as my number two. I know you didn't watch this show. And I didn't watch it until it was completely out. I tried to watch it. I just, I it wasn't for me. But yeah, I respect that, it. it's a fantasy show. It's it's one of those things that's just not for everybody. I respect it though. But it is a wild journey. You know, most people who who have seen it, I I also would rope in the kind of prequel show. They, you know, like the it's not connected necessarily, but it's just as just as good. Game of Thrones, fantasy land. It's got dragons. You know. Ice demon people. The only thing things. I'll say about Game of Thrones is pretty much every show we mentioned so far has like one main like iconic character. While Game of Thrones has a lot of good ones, there's nobody that like a casual fan. So I don't think would be like this is the. I went like I think it was out for like eight, seven or eight years or whatever. I went that I started it when the final season was premiering weekly. Okay. Sean Bean or whatever his name is in the first season. It's like a huge named actor. They murder him in the first season of that show. Like a, not even at the end of the season. Like yeah, it's a few a episodes they, like, in. You they're can't even, using these uh, massive actors and actresses. You can't and just, even attach yourself to people. No, everyone dies. You just don't know when or how. It's amazing. It's amazing. So that's why I picked Game of Thrones number two. I think it kind of just holds that kind of weight. It's also a lengthy watch. You know, it's a yeah, long. long show. So number two, Game of Thrones. Oh, number three, another toughie. It's hard because you only get five. Yeah, that's kind so, of the point. Like, it kind of goes into that rewatchability. You know, it, it, it's got it. It's got to pull after you. You know, you got to be able to, to, to watch it anytime to be able to get through it. I think The Office is my number three. I could watch any episode and love the moment that it's in. I've kind of, I used to be like that, but lately I've kind of grown out out of The Office for the first time in my life. But it is a great show, a show you can watch a whole bunch of times. I like, actually, I like that it's not on Netflix anymore because it makes it, it kind of gives you that, that love it was for too it. accessible. Right. It gives you a love for it back. I do have Peacock though. I, I do too. It's uh, yeah. But in my, in kind of regards of that, it's not in front of your face every day. Like if you're a Netflix user, which I am, I'm on Netflix all the time. If it was on there, that's all I would watch. I would never watch anything new. I'm happy that it's gone. That way I can kind of broaden my horizons, but the office, probably the best comedy of my generation it's a good show. I mean, and it's a good, another, another good long binge worthy show. It's connected. You know, it's well thought out, well written, and it's smart. 
What you got for your number three? So my number three is going to be another show with an iconic character, another time, like a, a show set in time. My number three is going to be Peaky Blinders, Thomas Shelby. Uh, great show. Kind of has Soprano vibes where it's like a, a mob. They're pretty much a mob in 19, late 1910s, early yeah. 1920s Britain, Birmingham, Britain, like middle of the... The industrial age. Yeah, it was. It, you put me onto that show. It was a very, very good, very show. good show. You put boy that that he, really opened my eyes to uh, Cillian Murphy. Cillian Murphy, great actor. Man, fantastic actor. Thomas Shelby is an iconic character that I think he's become a meme almost. Thomas Shelby. Yeah. Especially the what the Peaky Blinders themselves, their whole style has become like a meme and a subculture. <laughs> right. It really has it. I, I when you initially told me about that show, you were telling me how good it was, and you're like, yeah, it's these these British people, you know, they're basically mobsters. They have razor blades in their hats. They're like, they're willing to slash you up. I'm like, what? Yeah, it's crazy. I was like, it doesn't seem interesting. And then I clicked on it, and it's got just this wildly in depth story, well written. I think every show towards the end of its run goes a little crazy. This one kind of does the same thing. Yeah, where he's kind of like digs a little crazy. So he becomes a a uh, member of parliament yeah. starts dealing with the Nazis. Essentially a senator. Starts dealing with Nazis. Right. So it's kind of flirts with Nazism. Gets wild, but, you know, that that's kind of how shows have to end um, or kind of the natural course of shows. But I, I like that as a pick. Peaky Blinders is a very, very good show. What is your number four, sir? All right, so my number four is going to kind of I don't know if this stretches the rules of TV show. It's going to be a miniseries. Oh, I, man, I don't want you to pick what I think you're going to pick. My number four is going to be Band of Brothers. Okay, not what I thought. That's good. Band of Brothers, World War II, D-Day story. I mean, it's a great show if you go back and watch it. Uh, some great actors in it. Tom Hardy makes like a random appearance at the end. Uh, Shout out Tom Hardy and Peaky Blinders as well. Ex exactly. Uh, Band of Brothers, just a great show, an emotional one. When they get, I think it's like the towards the end of the uh, the series, and they find a concentration camp. Yeah, it is like one of the most gut wrenching. It's like holy shit, they make it seem so real. Yeah, you put me onto a lot of those war dramas, miniseries, documentaries, even books. Man, those it's really those eye opening. Will fucking tug at tug at your heart. Right, <laughs> it's crazy. It's uh, really tough. Great show. Uh, Tom Hanks was like the co-producer. Oh, I didn't know a writer. That. That's cool. Uh, I mean, just all around. They came out with the Pacific after, which was good, not quite as good. And they're, supposedly they're about to come out with another one uh, about some somebody, uh, some aviators in World War II. The only issue, like they have that one, they have Generation Kill, which was another one similar to that. It was just set, I think, in the Gulf War, 2008, something like yeah, that. Yeah, I believe so. Very good show. Another one of those things where it, like, it dives into kind of the psyche behind it. It kind of gives you as much of a feeling as a normal person could get of the emotions that are you know, running through these people's heads that we just see on a screen. Very good stuff. It, you know, like you said, gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching, you know, makes you feel terrible for them. But it's also, it's great to watch. So that gives you four. So I go four or five, and then you go to your last one, and then we're done, right? Yep. All right. Oh, man. So my number four has got to be... Man, this is tough, because I want to say, say a couple things, but the shows aren't done, so I don't feel like I can. I'll give them honorable mentions. 
The Wire. Did you ever see The Wire? I did. It's a great show. I love The Wire. It's a great show. It's another it one of those a, shows. It was hit. They had Sopranos, and like a few years later, then they had that. Right. Going at so that they it was like their second hit in a row, and I was like, holy shit. HBO's another show fire. that, but it kind of directly paid homage to The Sopranos by being able to go on those, you know, jumping leaps of faith and hoping that the audience is going to love it because TV like that hadn't been done before. And having HBO as its backer to be able to show, you know, different kinds of things. Yeah. You know, children committing crimes more or less, just left and right. And painting the picture that, you know, was real reality in some places. It was very good, very hard to watch in some cases. Um, but a fantastic show, fantastic HBO show. I think kind of looking at this list, man, a lot of this is on eight was HBO stuff, huh? Come out with, they come out with good shows. They can show a lot more, as you said. High-quality content. All right. So what you got for number five? So this one, I think for me, this, this show's been close to my heart forever. I've seen it through and through pr- probably four times. I've even seen the new reboot season that they did in, like, 2017 that nobody watched. Man, the X-Files for me with... Oh, what a loser. I know. It just... Dude... That show's just always the conspiracy behind it, where it's not too serious, but it is serious. You know, they they've kept it connected. They, you know, tied I never up, got into it. Tied up a bunch of loose ends. I love David Duchovny. He was great in Californication. I prefer him in this. X Files, Mulder and Scully for the win. You get the nerd vote. Yeah. Well, sometimes that's all you need, man. Sometimes that is all you need. X Files. Number five. What you got is your number fifth. And also, I didn't waste like a second pick for it. So my, <laughs> you know, at, at least my there's last that. pick is gonna be. It's a show you can watch. A co- I've watched a few episodes. Um, Sounds like you love more it more than once. Oh, okay. Watched a few episodes more than once. It's one of those shows. Funny guys. It's a reality show, but the banter between these two, all three guys, can is I amazing. Guess? What's your first guess? Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. Close. Damn. It's going to be the UK version of Top Gear. Oh, My dude, I love that show. Yeah. It's a great show. You learn a lot about cars. They're funny. Hold on. Which era, though? The, you know the era I'm talking about. So the, the guys that guys. went on to do the Amazon. The Amazon series, yeah. Uh, what was that called? Like the greatest, greatest Grand drive? Tour. Grand Tour. Grand Tour. Yeah, okay. Uh, those guys. Top Gear UK. Everybody knows what we're talking about when we name that as one of the best. I mean, it's just a great show. Their chemistry, all three guys, was perfect. They were funny. Yeah, James May, Madsen. They had cool cars. They had shitty cars. It was just awesome. They went to insane places. It's a good show for... drove across Africa and shit. Not a car person, but a car... Like, somebody who wouldn't be bored by car talk. Exactly. You didn't have to be super into cars to watch and enjoy the show. And they also, quite a few episodes, they take heavy stabs on real like oh, no, real they, life current events they do that and they will tell you what cars are good and what cars are. they'll straight up say like this yeah. car sucks don't buy the beetle or whatever yeah yeah pretty great crazy. show uh yeah that's our top fives so my top five to recap number one mad men number two breaking bad number three peaky blinders number four band of brothers and number five top gear the uk edition and my top five obviously we both think each other's is better or no, not each other's. They're our own is better. Sopranos, number one. Game of Thrones, number two. Number three is The Office. Number four is The Wire. Number five for the conspiracy theorists. 
X-Files. All right, so let's move ahead to our UFC 81 preview uh, this weekend. Main event. Another Ed- one in the apex. Another one in the apex, which is kind of disappointing. Uh, Edson Barbosa, though, the legend, taking on uh, Yusuf. That's the main event. We're going to start with the first fight of the main card, though. I think there's six fights in this main card. They just added one uh, a couple days ago. Yeah, and I think they're they're even trying to do that cancellation from last weekend. Felipe Lenz and Ian Kutelaba. They're trying to move that to this this weekend as well. Yeah, if- so we'll see if that happens. But the first fight we're going to cover is Christian Rod Rodriguez. 9-1 overall. 2-1 in the UFC. Coming off of a win against uh, Rosa Jr. He, he kind of ended the teenage hype. Not ended the hype, but kind of... It did stop the train, slowed down the train. train. Slowed it down. Uh, And he's taking on the undefeated South African Cameron Simon, who trains with uh, Dracus Duplicy. He knocks people out kind of like Dracus Duplicy has power. This is going to be a good fight, I think. Yeah, uh, I'm still in the camp that if you lose to Raul Rosa Jr., you need to retire because he's a teenager beating beating grown men up in the UFC. So... Good job, Christian Rodriguez, for getting to not retire. Uh, C-Rod's 2-1 in the UFC. You know, he's got a tough fight ahead of him with the knockout power of Cameron Simon. Honestly, on this one, I think the South African takes it. I think Simon being 9-0 isn't a fluke. He's 3-0 so far in the UFC. Two finishes, I believe it was. Two knockouts. Two TKO finishes. Right. He has six total knockouts, one submission, two decisions. He's never lost a fight. I think he moves to 10-0 this weekend because he's an explosive striker, but he's also smart. He knows when not to just rush in there. He knows when to, you know, kind of stand back and, you know, time his shots. Yeah, these are two guys, too. Uh, Rodriguez, 25. Cameron Simon, only 22. So two young guys and who have all the potential in the world, honestly, to keep moving up the rankings. I agree with you, though. I think Simon gets it done. I think he stays undefeated. Uh Rodriguez, I think he's going to put up a good fight, and it's going to be a good fight, but I think Simon just has a little too much power. In the flyweight division for the next fight, we have Edgar Chárez facing off again against Daniel De La Silva. This is a rematch from Noche UFC. Had the crazy... Uh, tap, not tap? Well, it wasn't a tap. He, his arm went limp, so the ref... Okay, so what do you prefer? Do you prefer somebody like Al Hassan? who is tapping and the ref can't tell and he goes unconscious? Or do you prefer the ref thinks he's tapping and he stops it? If I like the fighter getting choked, I'd rather stop it early. But I would rather get a definite definite answer to the decision and take a win away from somebody dominating the fight. Okay, so listen. Weirdly enough, Edgar Chárez was winning that round by a triangle choke. He thought the ref thought De La Silva was tapped. His arm kind of went limp on the last fight. It didn't. They looked at the replay. That took away his first win in the UFC. He's 0 1 and 1 now in the UFC. Yeah. Neither of these guys have a UFC win, by the way. It's pretty crazy. Uh, Charrez is built like a freaking door. He has the broadest, flattest chest I've ever seen. He has a Dustin Poirier wide body. Yeah, but I don't know. It looks like his it looks like his back is on backwards. It's weird. So, that's a big rematch. I don't know who's going to win here, honestly. It's, I think Chara is going to come in, and he's the huge favorite. He is the I huge favorite. I, I just don't think he's going to win the same way. 
it's kind of like he got Chares and De La Silva both got to see like a preview of what they ha- got to expect in a fight against each other. It's like almost they got to watch a movie trailer of them fighting them. So yeah, I'm I mean, interested to see the Silva. He was he's lucky he, this wasn't his fifth straight time getting finished. Yeah, because in my opinion, Chares was well on his I, way. I didn't think it was that premature. If I'm being honest, his yeah. arm went limp to me. I, I look. I'm a, I'm gonna side with you. I'd say Edgar Chares wins. I don't think he gets the the sub this time. I think it might go to the cards because De La Silva's gonna just have to be a little bit smarter. De La Silva's never been to the cards. Well, maybe it's time. Even in his wins and losses, never once been to the scorecards. He's been to the no At contest 11, cards. Five and one. Been to the no contest cards, brother. All right. So the next fight we're gonna cover is Andre Petrosky taking on Michelle Pereira. Uh, both guys come in. Five straight wins. Petrovsky 5-0 overall in the UFC with three finishes, three out of his five wins. Uh, he looks like that dude. 10-1, a career record. As I said, 5-0 in the UFC. He's taking on Michelle Pereira, who has a lot more uh, experience than him. Michelle Pereira still somehow only 30 years old. Michelle Pereira is kind of like me, though. He got weight issues. He does have... He did miss weight in his last fight. Uh, Bro, like three, like pounds. three pounds. And Stephen Thompson decided, Wonder Boy decided not to fight him. Yeah. Uh, which, fair play to him. But yeah, because he didn't even try. If you no. missed by like, three pounds, that means you kind of just gave up. Dude, it's like you went to Domino's and got a large pizza right before you weighed in. But as I said, he's won five straight. But the problem is he hasn't, because of that issue, he hasn't fought since May of 2022. Obviously, there's a lot of time in between that fight and the rest of the time. So, like, yeah. He just hasn't been active, so you have to wonder if there's going to be a little octagon rust, if he's going to come in and, and be performing uh, at top level because he's fighting a guy in Petrosky. Who's been on fire. And he's fought last in August, so he's he's rolling. Yeah. And I guess, well, this might be the benefit to Pereira in this sense that he's new to the middleweight division, so you know he may be able to just kind of be free, but that may weigh on his lungs a little bit. May add power, weigh on his lungs. You never know how he's going to take it. If he keeps to the lower end of the weight class, you know, and just kind of beefs up right before the fight, that'd be a good thing as long as he's staying lean. But we already seen him have problems with weight in the other division. So who knows what we're going to see out of Pereira coming out. I have uh, Petrosky winning this fight. I think he his streak uh, continues. I think he moves to six wins in a row, 6-0 in the UFC. Uh, I just think, as we said, because of the, uh, he's been busy. He's been fighting and right. Uh, no ring rust. No ring rust. He's been very active. I agree. On a guy who just took a lot of time off. I have. I got Petrosky winning. I think I have to agree. I, I'm going to pick Petrosky as well. Um, you know, I think he's going to ride that hot streak he's on, carry it into a, a Pereira that could very well, like you said, be rusty. And what'll probably be rated as a toss-up for the lines up until Saturday. We have Jonathan Dragon Martinez in the bantamweight division fighting Adrian Yanez. Evenly matched guys here. Betting lines are telling you that. I got minus 110 on both. Yeah, I think it's pretty much, pretty much a pick them. Very skilled strikers here. Um, yeah, Yanez comes in. Uh, he lost his last fight, but before that had nine straight wins. Five and one in the UFC, and four out of his five wins, uh, pointing to your point of, of both guys being strong strikers, four out of his five wins have been KOTKO. So he's a guy, he brings it. Every single time. And I think that's exactly what we're going to be seeing. 
I think no matter if it's you know a ground heavy attack because both guys can can submit you we've seen you know they're not they're not aiming for it every time but two submissions each isn't anything to scoff at at all they're both obviously going to be aiming for the the knockout i think this one we could see some ground game coming in because you have to be you know understanding what the other guy's bringing into the fight so i think to mix it up jonathan martinez is going to try to you know get some takedowns work the ground game get that knockout early i picked jonathan martinez to win the fight yeah i got yanez um so we'll see how this one goes all right so the co-main event of the evening is jennifer maya taking on vivian are you joe uh maya comes in two wins in a row three and two in her last five six and five overall in the ufc six straight fights have gone to the scorecard she's won some of those she's lost some of those obviously so she's a decision fighter um Hasn't really knocked anybody out lately. Hasn't got a sub lately. So look for that. She's taking an R.U. Joe, who comes in on a two-fight losing streak. Five and four overall in the UFC. Um, how do you see this fight going? Well, to be honest, she did lose to Lady Killers. Amanda Rebos and Alexa Grasso. So it's... it's That is fair. You know, it, it's not like she lost to nobodies. So, um, honestly, I think this is going to be still Jennifer Maya's fight. I think she's just more poised. I think she's kind of got that success in her favor, giving her motivation, you know, winning a couple, you know, having early success recent is going to just help her get the win, in my opinion. I think she's going to win by decision. A lot of women's fights do end like that, especially on the fight night ones because they're not ranked, so they're not as good. So, you know, I, I think we get a Jennifer Maya win here. What do you think? Yeah, I think we both agree. I think Maya wins. I think it's probably by decision. All right, so to kick off the main event for UFC Vegas 81, we have Sadiq Yusuf in the featherweight division taking on the legend Edson Barboza. Uh, these two guys have tons of combined experience, but Barboza's, you know, just got years under his He's belt. He's been in the UFC since 2010. It's in, I was in, I think I was a junior, sophomore in high school. Nuts. Yeah. It is crazy. He's a uh, exciting fighter, as you said, a legend. I think he's one of the more entertaining fighters to watch because he's such a good kickboxer. Yeah, and he's so good at striking. He's also, for being thirty-seven years old, he's fucking ripped. It's he crazy. is crazy. I always um, not get weird like looks, but it's like when I look at him, I'm like how, like how do you do that? It's crazy. And he his last fight was a crazy uh, knee knockout against Billy Q. Yeah. So it looked like he kind of maybe found a little bit of his magic back. Uh, he found his mojo. His mojo. Age versus experience in this one. You know, you got uh, Yusuf. Yusuf is coming off two straight wins. He is, but he's younger. I think not not the butt he's younger. I think to the benefit of Barboza, the fact that he has more experience is actually going to give him the edge. Yusuf is 6-1 and one in the UFC, so it's not like he's new, but he hasn't fought in over a year. So I think, as you said, the— Ring rust combined with experience. I'm picking Barboza in the fight. I think it's going to be an exciting fight. I think it's going to be worthy action-wise of a main event. Uh, I'm Especially, I mean, a free fight after, I will be honest, after having no fights two weeks ago, I don't care who's fighting. I'm watching them. I was like, I was trying to go find like hobo fights around town or something to watch because I was just bored, dude. So you got Barboza too? I got Edson Barboza, the legend, keeping it on the grill.
All right, so now let's move on to our weekly football segment where we cover the top college games and top pro games of the week. Just kind of throw the game out there, give you our picks and our quick thoughts. Uh, we're going to do five college, five pro again. And to start off, we're going to have go with the best ranked matchup of the week in college football. Two top ten teams, two rivals, number eight Oregon, number seven Washington. Two teams with quarterback Quarterbacks probably in the top 10 of the Heisman rankings right now with Washington has uh, Penix and then Oregon has Bo Nix. So, man, I almost corrected you there, but then I was like, I don't know enough about college to say whether or not he is wrong. So, good thing I didn't say you were wrong. Both teams, explosive offenses, cool uniforms. As I said, this is a rivalry game. So, this is going to be an exciting game. Uh, I usually am a big giant Oregon fan, and I still like them right now. But for some reason, I like Washington's quarterback. I think Washington, this is their year in the Pac-12. I think they get it done, so Washington's my pick. So you pick Washington. So look, the Washington's at home, right? Washington's at home. So the Ducks are plus three going into Washington, plus 125 money line. The over-under 67.5. That screams to me that it's going to be a high-scoring matchup. Yeah, both teams have explosive offenses. I think that Oregon is going to do what they've been doing, and that's putting up points when they need to. In their biggest contested game, I can't remember the exact matchup. They still won, but it was like 38-30. to 30. I think they're going to do that here. I think it's going to be a close game, but I think they're going to just kind of win the shootout. I pick the Ducks. All right, so the next one we're going to move on to is the rivalry game. USC, number 10, taking on number 21, Notre Dame. Notre Dame coming off of a disappointing loss against Louisville where they were the favorites. Uh, and they're taking on USC, who hasn't been the most impressive team, but they have maybe the most impressive player, one of them. Caleb Williams. And Caleb Williams. He's been carrying this team. Um, this is going to be an interesting game. It's at Notre Dame. As I said, this is another rivalry game. I had a hard time with this one. I've been thinking a while about it. USC is plus 114, Notre Dame minus 125. Something's telling me Caleb Williams is going to come in and win this game for him. I don't think it's going to be pretty for USC. It's probably going to be pretty for him. I think USC figures out a way to get it done on the road. I have USC winning. So I don't know a lot about the the gameplay differences. Or I'm still I guess I should say I'm still figuring out the gameplay differences between college and NFL. You know, how these spreads come about, how these wild overs and unders just happen every single week. It's because the, the defenses are... Well, there's so much variety in how teams play all across the country. But defenses are just bad, man. We see that a lot with LSU this season. The Trojans are winning games, but they're winning games because they have to score 40, 50, 60 points to do that. Yeah, it's, they went to overtime against Arizona in their last win. And Arizona's not even that good. You know, like, I agree. I think USC is going to pull it out. But there is there is a reason that Notre Dame's favored at home. I think it's going to be a very tough matchup. There's also a reason USC's won. Obviously, they're undefeated right now, but they've moved down in the rankings the last three weeks. Right. Because they've been so unimpressive. Yeah, it's like you're winning. But if Caleb Williams is the only person who can produce for the team or force production for the team. Well, it's not. The whole offense is, has production. It's the defense. Right, but what I'm saying is Caleb Williams is elevating those players, and the well, defense no, is, is first round underwhelming. Talent. They have NFL talent all over there. Caleb Williams is good. 
The whole offense is good. So it's crazy to me that Notre Dame is still favored being 5-2. and two. They're at home. And this is a rivalry game. Oh, that's one of the things. I just, I don't, I don't agree. schedule than USC. I don't agree with how the rankings and all that stuff works with the college. But, you know, I don't get to say so. I just got to live with it. You pick USC as well, right? Yeah. All right. Sick. So next game we're moving on to is another ranked matchup. It's an ACC matchup. Number 25, Miami, coming off maybe the most embarrassing loss I've ever seen. Dude. In my lifetime. They're taking on number 12, North Carolina, at North Carolina. North Carolina, the uh, minus 180 favorite. Talk about that Miami loss. We got to go back to that because that was an absolute meltdown. Miami, Georgia Tech. Uh, 40 seconds left. No, there was ended up when the play ran was like 35 seconds. There you go. 35 seconds left. All they had to do was kneel the ball. They, they literally not the line up in victory formation. Georgia tech had no timeouts. It's literally kneel the ball. They snapped the ball, over. fumbled it. And with no timeouts, Georgia tech went four plays, 75 yards in like 30 seconds with no timeouts. Got the score to win the game. Upset Miami. Miami was undefeated previous to that. I mean, that was just one of those losses that has to kill you. That's on the coach, bro. It's, it is on the coach, 100% on the coach. And it's one of those things, it's kind of like when a UFC fighter loses their first fight. How are they going to respond after that? Because so either they're going to be uninspired or they're going to come out with a vengeance. With a vengeance. I am leaning towards uninspired. Miami has notoriously underperformed over the past like 20 years. North Carolina, they haven't exactly been performing great in that same span but this year undefeated right now they have an nfl quarterback in drake may uh so he's projected possibly first round i think north carolina gets it done at home i have the tar heels number 12 tar heels uh getting a win i actually think miami's gonna upset the tar heels here i think they're gonna do the exact opposite of what you think i think they're gonna come out with motivation because at the end of the day the players don't have to hang their head and at least say that the loss was on them. Did you see? Well, yeah, they have no faith in your coaching staff. That's not good. Well, at least they have faith in themselves now. Do they? Why would that put faith in themselves? Because they didn't screw it up. The guy that fumbled screwed it up. And yeah, the defense he, screwed it up. Yeah, he he probably is They still too screwed happy. it up. The coach just shouldn't have put him in that position. I don't understand why if you're the quarterback there, you don't just, nah, we're going to kneel it because I understand, like, this is what you should do. I don't care if I'm getting benched. Yeah, just a bad, bad look. But um, anywho, I picked Miami. You picked Tar Heels, so we got to go against each other for that pick. The next one we have are the UCLA Bruins. Number 18. Fighting. Coming out of the red corner, the Oregon State Beavers. Number 15. A Pac-12 matchup for the last time. This is... Pac-12 for the last time, not a matchup for the last time. Pac-12 matchup for the last time. One team's moving to the Big Ten. One right. team's moving, staying in the Pac-12. Still blows my mind that they're going to be the Pac-2. They'll figure it out somehow. Uh, neither team is like known for their football programs, but they're both pretty good. UCLA has a young quarterback who's exciting, but has been making has made mistakes that have kept games close that shouldn't have been close. Just like last week against Washington State. Oregon State's quarterback last week accounted for five of the touchdowns. I would love to say his name, DJ uh, Ugalele. I'm a, I apologize. Yeah. Uh, God, that's bad. He has a nickname that's easier to say. He was at Clemson and then transferred to Oregon State. He's been playing great. Um, I think this is going to be a great game. Oregon State has a great atmosphere, uh, hard place to play. I think they get it done at home. 
They're minus 185 favorites. I think they are just, I think they're the better. This is the second year in a row they're good. Uh, I think they're the better team. UCLA still learning how to be a good team. Um, I just think the experience of that, I got the Beavers. I agree. I think the Beavers are going to win. I picked against them last week, and I was wrong. So I think I'm going to ride with them this week. They're favored minus 185, like you said, minus three and a half on the line. I think they get the job done. Oregon State for the win. All right, and the last college game is going to be number 22, LSU Tigers, taking on the non-ranked Auburn Tigers, SEC rivalry matchup. Uh, LSU's offense, right now, Jaden Daniels legitimately has the best stats in the nation at quarterback. He's outplaying everybody. The whole offense is outplaying everybody. They have one of the leading rushers in the SEC but this defense is so goddamn awful. Man, it's crazy, right? Similar to how bad USC's defense has been. Similar to how bad. They did have a good second half against Missouri where they forced a couple turnovers. Uh, we'll see if they can at least – they don't even have to be good. If they were average, this team can beat pretty much anybody because of how good their offense is playing. Right. See, the problem is, for me, I don't think it's going to happen the same way, but Ole Miss had no reason winning the game they did against LSU – just like Auburn has no reason to yeah, cover. But, but to cover, yeah, because Ole Miss is a way better team than Auburn. That, that, that was giving a kind of edged comparison. Auburn has no reason to cover in this game, but I feel like they are somehow going to because of how What's bad LSU's. 11 and a half. 11 and a half. With an over-under of 60 and a half. That's begging for another high-scoring game. I'm going to say LSU wins. Obviously, I'm saying LSU wins. I th- it's going to be high-scoring, but I think they cover. I'm going to say like 48 34. Right. I th- like it's not going to be another pretty win for LSU. I think they're going to move to 5 and 2, dropping the the Auburn Tigers to 3 and 3. Another point for this week, by the way. This is the second week in a row we've had the Tigers versus the Tigers. So to me that's kind of weird and interesting. Uh but I pick LSU as well. I think they're going to win, but I think Auburn is going to cover that 11 and a half because of how terrible LSU's defense has been. All right, so let's move on to our NFL picks this week. We picked five games. Um, really just, there wasn't a lot of great matchups, but we picked really some of the best teams and then a couple of our favorite teams, or one of our favorite teams. Uh, the first game we're going to cover is that favorite team. It's the Bengals at home against the Seahawks. Bengals coming off their best performance of the year. They beat the uh, Cardinals. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase seem to finally be on the same connection. Yeah. Jamar just... Torched. I wrote down that uh, Joe Burrow connected with Jamar, always open chase. Did you see what he posted on social media? It was a Seven Eleven? Just, just a Seven Eleven. That's all it was. Well, I like. Look, if you're gonna talk shit in the press conference and look, say like, "Man, I'm sorry, but I'm always fucking open." Like, throw it to me. At least Joe Burrow hands you 19 targets. Jamar Chase handled him. 15 receptions, 192 yards, three touchdowns. Absolutely torched. The um the Arizona Cardinals last and week and I think Seattle's a good team. They're I think they're three and one coming into this. Three and uh, three and one coming in. You're right. Three and one. Uh, I just think the Bengals are. I, I'm hoping this is where they turn their season around. They're two and three. They still have plenty of time. They're only one game back in their division. I have the Bengals winning at home. I think Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase continue their uh, connection. I agree with you there. I think the Bengals are going to win. I think Geno Smith's been playing more like a game manager this season as opposed to his kind of like breakout weirdly, you know, late breakout last season where it was just unexpected. 
He's playing more like a game manager, but the team's still going to get a bunch of wins this season. I think the Bengals are going to beat them. I think they're just going to continue to feed Chase the ball, especially with Higgins being injured. Kind of just forces that pressure onto him. But that's also going to open up the run game or at least the checkdowns for different passing opportunities if you force the targets to Chase. So I think Bengals win just like you. All right, so the next one we're going to cover is the 49ers, undefeated 49ers at the Cleveland Browns. It's always tough when the West Coast teams go uh, that far east. I just think the 49ers are probably the best team in the NFL. As long as Brock Purdy's playing like he does, they have weapons on offense, great offensive line, a great defense. Uh, I mean, they had probably the most impre- one of the most impressive performances of the season on Sunday night against the Cowboys. Yeah, dominated just completely them, shut them down. Dominated Dak Prescott, made Dak look... Horrible, Made Dak look like uh, Zach Wilson, Jameis Winston. Or like Dak Prescott. Boom. Danny Dimes. Um, So I think the 49ers are going to come in. I think they're going to give Watson a hard time. Deshaun Watson has not been playing well. I got the 49ers winning on the road in Cleveland. So the San Francisco 49ers are coming in favorited by six with an under over under of only 37 and a half. So it screams that it's not going to be a very high scoring game. I think one of the things we can bank on, or at least I'm going to bank on, is CMC extending his historic touchdown streak. So I li- I'm not even going to worry about it. It's happening. I think if the 49ers stay healthy, this is the Super Bowl champions this year. I think Proc Purdy is just going to just, as long as nobody, you know, Debo stays healthy, Ayuk stays healthy, CMC, CMC and Purdy, both all they st- stay healthy, we're good. We got a Super Bowl out of the 49ers. I think they're going to win, but I think the Browns are crafty enough to cover this six-point spread. All right, so the next uh, game we're going to look at is another one of the NFL's undefeated teams and probably best teams, the Philadelphia Eagles, going to New York, taking on the Jets. Usually they're in MetLife taking on the, their rival, the Giants, this time taking on the Jets. The Jets coming off of a win against the Broncos to kind of maybe give Zach Wilson some confidence getting the dub. Philly has just been great this year. Back to right back to where they were. They're kind of just like the 49ers were like, they don't really have a weakness. They have weapons on offense. They have a quarterback performing great. The only way to beat them is to outplay them. And they have a sick defense. Uh, I think it's clear in the NFC, the 49ers and Eagles are the two best teams. I think Philly goes to New York. I think they get the win over the Jets. Uh, Zach Wilson has not been playing bad the past couple weeks. I think he continues not playing horrible, but I just think the better team wins. Yeah, I mean, when the Eagles are playing everybody and just trouncing them, not even letting anybody else show up for the game, they're playing with perfect form, like you said. They've had a few close games. No weakness. Yeah, but nothing that made me feel like they were going to lose. I mean, they went to overtime with the Commanders. I just didn't feel like they were going to lose. It's a divisional game. Those are just tougher, naturally. Those teams, for whatever reason, I see. I don't understand that. A team that's obviously so much better. How does the division? It's the NFL. Yeah, but the divisional games. It, it's just crazy that it can be that close when the teams are it's that more far about apart. Like schemes and stuff. I agree. I think the Eagles are going to tush push their way to victory, and I don't have an issue with that play either. I think whatever. If you can't stop, yeah, I don't it, understand why. Stop complaining. I don't understand why everybody's complaining about it. So we both got the Eagles. Next one we're going to look at is the Detroit Lions, one of the most entertaining and surprising teams in the NFL. Taking on another team that's kind of surprising, too, in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, 
it's two quarterbacks that everybody thought kind of they were done. Uh, yeah, tra- somebody else's trash, I guess you would say. Jared Goff, he's come in and he looks great with the Lions. Man. And then Baker Mayfield, he was definitely somebody people wrote off. And he has, he isn't, it's not like he's been playing like an MVP. He's not playing lights out, but he's lights playing out. great. He's playing great. And you can tell the team actually likes him. Yeah. And is it honest? It's a good surprise. Uh, good to see him doing well. I think everybody's going to be picking Detroit in this game because of how well they've been playing. But I just think there's something about going to Tampa. I think Tampa's a gritty team. I think they like, as we said, Baker Mayfield. I think they're going to play for him. I think the Bucks somehow, some way, don't ask me how, figure out a way to get a win over the Lions. So the Lions, man, they're a crazy team with Hutchinson on the defense. They made the best trade they could have made with Jared Goff trading Stafford, you know, making that swap. They It seemed initially that they lost that trade too with the Rams immediately going to win a Super Bowl. But now it's starting to look like Detroit's had the last laugh. It seems like the system's yeah, starting to work better for Goff. They, it worked for both teams because you can't say the – the Rams don't regret anything. They got no. They, 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 I think both teams won the trade, but the last laugh goes to the Lions. You got a little bit better depth out of them. It's a cheaper trade, so you know it was it was easier to get a couple other pieces for them, and they also weren't good, which gave them a couple picks or a better pick, I should say. I do think the Lions are going to come in here and win. I agree, the Bucks are gritty and they're a tough team, but. I think the Lions just all around better offense, better defense. I don't think the Bucks are going to have what it takes here. All right, and the last football game we're going to cover uh, is Sunday Night Football this week, the Cowboys at the L.A. Chargers. This is one of those, you don't know what, with these two teams playing, these Dude. teams play crazy games where they can either blow teams out, get blown out, have crazy turnovers, crazy plays happen. I think this is going to be a super entertaining game. And I think the Cowboys, this is the kind of game the Cowboys are going to come in and win. I, I agree. I think the Cowboys are going to win here. They have a two-point favorite with an over-under of 50 and a half. There's definitely going to be more Cowboy fans in L.A. than Charger fans. Dude, the Chargers are weird. Justin Herbert can't catch a break. I think we were talking about this a few weeks ago, and you kind of pointed out. It's not that he can't catch a break. He's just not clutch. He's just. I like him. He has all the things you want a quarterback, he just doesn't win. He doesn't know how to win games. It's weird. It's so weird because they're they're such a good team through and through. They have didn't a do it great in run game. He was at Oregon in college, and they were always good, but they never were like a great team. Yeah. Uh, with so Mike Williams out for the rest of the year, Achilles injury a couple weeks ago. That hurts the Chargers offense. Playing with against the Dallas defense that we have seen all season granted i know they they've only beaten the patriots the jets and the giants which you know still in it i hate that argument because it's like it's the nfl every win counts the same so uh, but those are just worse teams they got blown out as soon as they face somebody like the uh 49ers but i think dallas is gonna win here i agree with you it's a it's gonna be a shit show of a game i don't even think it's gonna be a shit show i just have no idea what it could be the greatest game of all time yeah, I just I think the writing's on the wall here for it to just be like a total combined like six interception game, but also seven combined t- like in the air touchdowns. Like it could just it. I think it's just gonna be a shit show. I picked Dallas. Who do you have? I have Dallas as well. All 
All right, so let's break down the standings for the bets and picks for the current season. Um, I went 10 and 5 for my picks this past week. Christian went 9 and 6. We both got upset on Dawson, Texas, Notre Dame, the Bills, and the Ravens. The only difference we had in picks there, I had Joaquin Buckley winning. You had Alex Morono. Turns out he was not the great white. It was Buckley for the win. Uh, Betting-wise, I did pretty good 4-1. and one. Christian, what'd you do? I did 2-3. and three. I lost Dawson Moneyline, Morano Moneyline, and Washington State Moneyline. They lost to UCLA, and I won 49ers, who dominated the Cowboys, as we talked about earlier. Sheer domination. And I had the night. I thought Bama, it was good value, minus 135, and they came, they performed, and they beat Texas A&M. So that was my second win. Nice. I went 4-1, and one, like I said. I had Bill Algeo Moneyline. I had... Felipe Lynn's money line, that fight got canceled. So I ended up going with uh, Bengals money line. And they catched there. Dober versus Glenn under. We got a knockout in the first round. So that was awesome. I got the Wildcats and the Bulldogs over 47 and a half. They got that, I think, within the first few minutes of the third quarter. It was great. And I lost Missouri covering six and a half to LSU. I'm not even really mad about that one because LSU beat them by more than seven. So cool um but overall that moves us to pick wise christians at 73 46 and one i'm 79 40 and one moving us to 35 wins 24 losses and two pushes for my bets and christian you have won 32 bets and lost 29 we're both getting pretty close to even there so we need to we need to pick that up chat gpt had a fantastic week 12 and 3 in picks moves it to a total of 39 14 and 1. They're better than way better than us. Dude, we might have to start looking at that. <laughs> That's getting pretty crazy. He's doing way better than us. Uh so for picks and everything this week, just listen to everything we said before. That's going to give you a kind of live breakdown of our reasoning as to why we think such and such are going to win. What do you have for your UFC bets this week, Christian? So I did two UFC bets, three football bets. My two UFC bets are Maya Arujo, the over in that fight, Arujo. And then I have the under in uh, Chavez uh, da Silva. Nice. Not Chavez, Chavez. Yeah, Chavez, yeah. Chavez da Silva. I only have one UFC fight or one UFC bet this week. I ended up going with one UFC, two NCAA, and two NFL. My... I was about to say UFL. My uh, UFC bet is Cameron Simon. He's plus 125 money line. I think it's great value. I think he's going to go to 10 and 0. For college, I'm going to just jump right into it. I have the Oregon Ducks winning plus 125 money line as as well. Also, the USC Trojans are plus 112 favor, uh, underdogs on the money line. So I'm taking just three plus Plus money, money lines for my first three bets. I also have USC money line at plus 114. And then I don't have Oregon. I have Oregon State money line, minus 185. That's the Beavers, right? The Beavers. Nice. Taking on UCLA. And then my NFL bet, my one NFL bet is I have the Cincinnati Bengals money line, minus 162. I hope you hit that one, man. I took uh, two NFL, like I said. I got the Lions versus Bucks over 43 and a half. At minus 110, I think this is going to be 
it's not going to be a very high scoring game, but I think we're going to get, you know, more than three touchdowns total, you know, each. And then my last bet is the San Francisco 49ers covering five and a half over the Browns. I think regardless of what I said previous, I'm doubling down on the 49ers. I think they're going to be the Super Bowl winners this year by just dominating everybody. Thanks for listening to episode 17 of Split Decision. Check us out next week when we recap UFC Vegas 81, take a look ahead to UFC 294, and give you some of our football thoughts.